The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. We do the digging so you don't have to. We've got breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Bringing you the biggest stories from the industry you care about. This is the Media Noise Podcast. Well, let's hear it. Now, here's your host, Dimitri Ravanos. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Media Noise on whatever platform it is you choose to get your podcast. That is how more people get to hear the show. And if more people hear the show, that is how we get to keep making episodes of the show. Brian No on the program with me today, as is Garrett Seawright. Those guys are coming up. But first, by the time you are hearing this, it is very likely that Aaron Judge will have hit his 62nd home run of the 2022 Major League Baseball season, and good for him. It is an accomplishment that is worthy of celebration. There is a time when Major League Baseball was my absolute favorite form of entertainment. The Yankees were my team. That is who I grew up rooting for. I think the child of every immigrant grows up at some point rooting for the New York Yankees. But, you know, you have kids, your priorities change, and you just can't sit down and watch 162 baseball games. And it's been so far from my mind that I find that when I do try to tune into whether it is a game or discussion of Major League Baseball, there's just nothing for me anymore. And so the conversation around Aaron Judge hit me in a very different way. And I say very different way, I think, than what was intended. I bet it hit a lot of you the same way. For so long, I've talked about the Major League Baseball media's problem being that they are really married to the idea that we will never see the greatest moments in the game again. That everything that was great about Major League Baseball is behind us and these rule changes and new strategies, etc., etc., were making the game borderline unwatchable. But then, you know, you see the way they react to Aaron Judge. And this isn't just the Major League Baseball-specific media. I heard this on a lot of sports stations this week. The idea that Aaron Judge should be celebrated as the real home run champion, that's a problem too, right? Like, all of those Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa seasons happened. Barry Bonds hit 73 home runs. Again, whenever you're listening to this, I don't know how many home runs Aaron Judge is standing at, but I bet it is still double digits behind the guy that actually hit the most home runs in a Major League Baseball season. So what is the real problem with the way baseball is framed by the people that cover it? I think it is that there is such a marriage to the sport. There is so much vested interest in making sure that the audience recognizes that it may not be as popular as football, but it is superior in every way. And so many of these people will bend over backwards and go back on their points from earlier to tell you how great what we are seeing is. And what we're seeing is really great, but let's not pretend... This is the, the the biggest problem I have with everybody that takes this stance in the media, baseball-specific or otherwise. Let's not pretend that steroids didn't make baseball f***ing awesome. Because they did. They absolutely did. You cannot look me in the eye and tell me monsters genetically engineered to jack 700-foot home runs were better than what is going on right now. That doesn't mean you don't celebrate Aaron Judge. You absolutely do. But quit trying to feed me 
this line of BS, or maybe better yet, decide which line of BS it is you want to feed me, and stick with it. Is baseball never going to be great again, or is everything we saw from like 1985 to 2005 toxic and we're not allowed to talk about it or even acknowledge it anymore? If you had told me about three months ago that the guy that would generate the most interest on our website would be Marcellus Wiley, I would have had trouble believing it. Not because he's not a talented dude. He absolutely is. It's just, I mean, when you think about the people we cover, Pat McAfee, Colin Cowherd, Dan Patrick, these are people with decades of fandom behind me. And Marcellus has had success in radio. He's had success on TV, but it's never been overwhelming rating success. Brian No talked to Marcellus this week. Brian, was Marcellus even aware of just what an impact, just how curious his exit from FS1 made everybody this is maybe one of the bigger stories of the year based on our traffic yeah he's aware of it and I'm a little bit like you where he's a very talented dude he's very entertaining so I'm not completely taken aback by wow people really care (laughs) right but yeah there's a little bit of that element there I just think it's the perfect concoction if you will where and I wrote in the piece where I'm divorced and a lot of people are like what happened man how did what I think there's that element with speak for yourself. Why aren't you on the show? Yep. What, what happened? Was there some drama? So he's an entertaining dude. And then when you mix it with that element of what happened, I think it makes it that much more intriguing. Well, I got you here under uh, the pretense of talking about Marcellus Wiley, but this whole thing is going to be about exploring what happened in your divorce today, Brian. So <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to sit on the couch right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the So he said something really interesting in the conversation with you of even from the get go, when he came on to speak for yourself, when he replaced Colin Cowherd on speak for yourself, he felt like it was still Whitlock and Cowherd's thing and the evolution to what it is now to speak. It felt like that was a little bit more of Acho's thing. And he's not gone from Fox. He's just looking for the thing that can be Marcellus Wiley's thing. Yeah. And I give him props for that because It isn't too often, Dimitri, in the sports broadcasting realm where someone's having a lot of success, and Marcellus was having success. It was a Mm -hmm. good product with Acho, and yet he's still thinking it can be better. I can do something different. I can cover sports from a different angle, and I do appreciate that. He also mentioned how the Fox suits, they had their hand in this with redistributing the talent in different areas. So I think it was a two-pronged thing, but I do appreciate Marcellus because he could have said, you know what, let's just keep selling cotton candy. I'm having success. (laughs) The show is going well, but he's still looking and striving for something a little different. I think that's really cool. So one thing that I think was worth noting that he talked about with you, because FS1 in total is in the middle of major upheaval. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but like so much about that, network's lineup changed here in the past few weeks um there were discussions that he was going to be part of first things first first things first moving to the afternoon meant it made more sense you know it wasn't like everybody else was up at 7 a.m on the east coast and they were asking Marcellus to be up at four in the end it just didn't come together now I'm only reading the words on the page right you actually talked to him did he express any sort of regret about that no he he actually expressed like potential 
hope. <laughs> like he's making it sound like, and we still might get there. Like it seems like the door is at least cracked right. that it might work out. So that was my sense of this isn't a shut case, like no chance, no how. It still could work out potentially. That was my sense. Whether it does or not, who knows? But yeah, the deck chairs are definitely being rearranged. And I think the reaction is really interesting because you know as well as I do, when things change, most people are like, ooh, change, don't like it, not a fan. Why is this different? And a lot of those fans come around. So there have been some negative reviews for the new shows and the new cast and all of that. A lot of those people are going to come around. I think, I know it's a different network, but it reminds me of Get Up. A lot mm-hmm. of people are like, what is this? And, oh, I don't like it. And look at the ratings. And now it's really successful. So I would give it time for a lot of these new shows and new time slots, some of them with different casts. And it's really going to be interesting to see where Marcellus fits in with all of that. You know, sort of expanding this to the FS1 conversation a, a little bit. Get Up is a really good example, despite the fact that it's on ESPN. Like, that is a show that certainly the audience came around, but also ESPN kind of played around with what it was a little bit until they realized, oh, Sports Center with Greenie and Friends. That's what this show should be. That's the sweet spot. I kind of feel like that's what's going to happen, particularly with Craig Carton's show in the morning. Maybe there's a spot where Marcellus um, is a not everyday presence, but a regular presence there. Maybe there is that spot for him on the revamped First Things First. But, you know... I I think to your point about Marcellus feeling like this could still work out with an FS1 show, I think it's really important to remember that the day a show goes on the air does not mean it is a finished product by any stretch. Right. No doubt about that. And I also think the, it's going to be interesting where you're right with Carton and his show, that can be a bit like get up where you can really tinker. You can bring in this co-host for this segment, but it's going to be interesting with the other shows where this is the cast. There's right. only so much tinkering we can do. So I'm curious to see how that sorts itself out. And of course, where Marcellus fits in, because he fits in somewhere. Yeah, He might fit in in a couple of spots. He might have his own show and be on another show as well. I have no idea, but he's talented and he'll fit in somewhere. So let's wrap up here because he is talented. He played at a high level, obviously, for a long time in the NFL. He is also an Ivy League guy, right? Like he is really thoughtful about every decision that he makes and so i wonder do you come out of that conversation feeling like here is a guy that knows his future is at fox or do you come out of that conversation going here's a guy that knows there is a future and it'll happen when it happens it seems like it's definitely at fox for the time being beyond that who knows because marcellus is a little bit like an artist like a musician and i don't My sense was, and this could be wrong, but my sense was, hey, I'm with Fox right now, and who knows? I don't think that he would say it's Fox and Fox only. I'd be shocked if he thought that, because you don't put those limitations on yourself if you have more of the artistic, musician-type view of stuff. And he's a creator. He's a creative guy. So for right now, he certainly is in good with the Fox suits. They have him top of mind. They're trying to get him in. How about first things first? How about if we do a hybrid thing where you're in LA, they're trying to make it work clearly with him. And I think they will. It's just how long does that last? Does he look for other opportunities down the road? I wouldn't be shocked if that's the case. It doesn't seem that long ago that we were talking about the literal billions that we expect 
the NFL to be able to fetch when Sunday ticket hits the open market. Garrett, see right now, a lot of the columns or the news stories you see on BarrettSportsMedia.com are listed as by BSM staff. You can go ahead and assume that is probably Garrett, see right, Garrett, you have been cataloging for the last two weeks the stories of issues plaguing uh, Sunday ticket. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start by the lo- with the long-term problem potential, or do you want to start down conspiracy theory road? Because I'm happy to go down either. I, I like conspiracy theory road. All right. How much do we think this is DirecTV sticking it to the NFL? I, I've pondered that myself. And, I, and this is as cynical as all get out, but... Like they lose money on Sunday ticket, right? Right. Well, what's another two weeks if they're going to reimburse <laughs> subscribers yeah. if like it doesn't work? Like, they're are they going to be mad at me? Sure, I don't like I don't care, but they're also going to be mad at the NFL, right? So we'll share the blame. I'm already losing money. Why not stick it to you now? When you know, and and believe me, I understand if I'm paying you know whatever the ridiculous price is for Sunday ticket that by God I want this to work, but if it's going to screw up in week one and two rather than week 17 and 18, I'm going to choose weeks one and two for it to be not great rather than later in the season when some stuff actually matters. Okay. So that is pure conspiracy. That is not based on any concrete evidence or even anybody telling us anything, right? Because at the end of the day, we still think DirecTV is going to be involved in some way, very similar to how they are still involved in some way with Thursday night football to make it possible for bars and restaurants to take advantage of those broadcasts. So let's go down the other road for the long term with DirecTV, or excuse me, with Sunday Ticket hitting the open market. Whether or not a deal is already done with Apple TV Plus, there is still, you know, this property lingering out there. What does this do to the value of Sunday Ticket? I don't know that I don't know that it does anything to the value as much as the NFL now has to say, like, wait a second. If the problems that DirecTV is experiencing is with streaming, and we're considering making streaming the home, are we setting ourselves up for failure? I know Apple TV has the money to make sure, hey, yeah. this is not going to be an issue for us. But do they have the the bandwidth, the server space, whatever the issue is with DirecTV that for the, through the first two weeks they've had problems? I, I think there's got to be extra hesitancy from the NFL, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I would think so. And when I say, what is this going to do to the value? Like, I still think, what was the number? Was it like $3 billion that we thought they were going to hit the market asking yeah, Mike, for? Yeah, Mike Florio had floated out, you know, $3 billion could be the price tag. And other people would say, you know, probably closer to $2 billion maybe. But still, okay, that's but a, it's, a, it's, a, it's with a B. Once you get to the Bs, the number in front of it does not matter. Right. Uh, the Okay, so I'm not saying that these problems mean that Apple is going to go $3 billion, get out of here, $75 max. Right. Uh, but this is now money that, he, that the NFL is going to have to pour into a new marketing campaign. And whether it is like straight up like, oh, look how much better this is off of DirecTV, at the very least, it is marketing to the business community. That is exactly what Sunday Ticket needed because it was being held back by DirecTV. Just look at weeks one and two. Does the NFL benefit from that marketing campaign because of Thursday Night Football being on Amazon Prime Video now that like, hey, we're the cool kids on the block. We're the ones streaming while you're, uh, you know, every other league wants to 
put their games on regional sports networks. You can find us on Apple TV. You can find us on Amazon. So let's sort of tie those two things together as we wrap up here, because you bring up something that I think is really important. Amazon did a great job, I think, in week one of Thursday Night Football, particularly if you watch through Amazon and not through the direct TV stream uh, at a at a bar or restaurant somewhere. Uh, Apple has Major League Baseball. Uh, Amazon has some Major League Baseball. Peacock has Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball is fine for baseball fans. Nobody is rushing out to buy those services for baseball games because baseball fans would rather complain about the games right. not being on traditional TV than go get the service they have to. Sunday ticket's going to be the needle move. Sunday ticket, or excuse me, a Thursday night football has already been a needle mover for, I believe we're supposed to call it Prime Video now, not Amazon. Yes. These problems are headlines I think the NFL would prefer not to have. But, you know, as much as this last five minutes has been set up of, oh, boy, I really don't like this for the NFL, the NFL probably can do whatever it wants with Sunday ticket, right? Oh, yeah. If, and, and, if, and wherever they decide to go, we're going to follow. Correct. If Amazon is telling you that their biggest signups for their prime membership is the three hours before Thursday night football. <laughs> right. The NFL is lose like, and they're like, you know, we're, we're not joking. This is better than black Friday and cyber Monday and any other, uh, th this was the best three hours we've ever had. The NFL's walking around chest puffed out. Like we can, we can put our, we can put our packages giggity anywhere <laughs> and you're going to go find it. We're pretty big behemoth. Can, can I tell you what I'm thinking? If I'm uh not Jeff Bezos, but whoever's in charge of Prime Video, whoever specifically is in charge of the studio at Amazon, we are done with that stupid Lord of the Rings show. Clearly, we do not have to spend that money. People are not <laughs> right. signing up to watch that. Nobody's spending $140 to watch the Lord of the Rings, but by God, they'll watch Jags Titans on a <laughs> that's, Thursday. That's right. This concludes our broadcast day. Thanks for listening to the Media Noise Podcast with Dimitri Ravanos. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. And check back soon for new episodes. To stay up to date on the latest sports media happenings, visit BarrettSportsMedia.com.